hopefully better than the first, as I realized I um, told a story and I never ended it. So I left the entire congregation hanging on what had happened. So you guys will get the full story for that. Um, again, we are so glad that you could be here with us today in person and online. Um, if you You've heard, my name is Jen Gannon. I am a deacon here at Bethel. I've been an elder as well. Um, if you don't know me from being around the church, helping out with Sunday school or things like that, I'm known for making massive amount of cupcakes. Um, just really, it's a random skill set that I have that if you need two, 300 cupcakes, I'm your gal. So, um, but I do have other qualities besides making massive amounts of baked goods, even though they are tasty treats. Um, but I am excited to give the message here today. Um, I'm gonna try to work on talking slower. Um, I realized I finished very early. People got to jump time early yes, or earlier before. Um, but one of the things was I was excited about having this chance to share the message with you guys. All throughout high school, college, and even now I've been involved with a ministry called Young Life. So I've had the opportunity to talk with people, to share my testimony, to be able to talk about my walk with the Lord with others. And so I felt like I can do this. I can talk among the congregation and I can talk to where it will now forever be online on YouTube, I can do this. And so with having all of those experiences and as I was preparing to do this message, I realized all those times that I had talked about my walk with the Lord before was times that I was talking about myself to where I'm an expert on myself. I should be able to talk about myself for a long time. And as I was preparing, I realized I'm not up here to talk about me even though I will share some of my experiences or stories or what God has been teaching me, but I am here to teach you guys and to talk about the word. And so, again, as I was preparing for this, I knew three things were gonna happen today. These are not my points, but just three things that I knew were gonna happen was I'm either going to mispronounce a name, a location, or a very simple word <laughs> throughout this uh, sermon. I may lose my thought and go into complete silence and stop dead in my message, though I hope that won't happen. I did that very early in the first one before. But the third and final one is I know that we are going to talk about Jesus today, and we um, are going to hear what he has to say. And I do pray that um, you guys feel, you learn something today, that you feel encouraged walking away from this message um, and feel encouraged with your walk with the Lord. We are here to talk about Acts Chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. So um, if you have your Bible, go ahead, open it up, um, or you can grab the Pew Bible in front of you and turn to page 1080 or in your Acts journal as well to follow along. But before we get started in reading the scripture, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that we are able to come together in your name. Lord, that we are able to come together and worship in your house. Um, we just pray that you can just continue to just share what we are to learn about you, Lord. Um, we thank you for the opportunity that we can come to hear just the Bible speak. And we just pray that you can just bless us today. And we lift this all up into your name. Amen. So we're going to start at the beginning. We're going to read Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. So then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. When they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Aphelius, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All of these with one accord were devoting themselves in prayer. 
together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among, his bro among the brothers. The company of persons was all in 120 and said, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and he was allotted to share in this ministry. Now this man had acquired a field with the rewards of his wickedness and had fallen headlong. He burst open in the middle and all of his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all of the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, Echadelema, that is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let no one dwell in it and let another take his office. So one of the men who had accompanied us during the time of the Lord Jesus went in and out among us beginning from the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen and take the place in the ministry and the apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for him, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So again, I stopped dead. Um, <laughs> so what we were talking about today, so reading this scripture, when I was first starting to look at everything, I was like, this is an interesting set of scripture for me to teach on. I had noticed, first off, that it was broken down into three kind of separate sections. The first one being 12 through 14 is where they talk about them returning to Jerusalem after Jesus' ascension. Then 15 through 20 was talking about Judas and his death. And then 21 through 26 was choosing to replace Judas so that they become the 12 again. A lot of times when we look in scripture, we sometimes I think take scripture for granted. We read it, we can absorb it, we move on. You know, we hear the saying, it's like in one ear and out the other. It's where we've read it, we heard it, but we're not retaining it. Um, but I know that all scripture in this book here is God-breathed. And there's always something that can be learned from the Bible and from the scripture. And one of the things that, like, as I was preparing for this and looking through my Bible, and I think many of you guys probably have this in your own Bibles, is you'll read scripture and you'll see that you would underline something in the past. And then as you read through it again, you underline something new. And sometimes I've done that and I've always wondered, well, why didn't I underline that before? Why is it just now reaching out to me? And I think because scripture is always talking to us. It's just at different times in our lives. And again, you might not learn the first time you read it or the second time or maybe even the third time to where it connects to you. But if you are open to it, God will speak to you, and you can hear that through God's word. And so that was one of my continual prayers this past week, was being able that God would speak to me through these scriptures. Um, so where do we go from here? Now that Jesus has walked among us and has ascended to the heavenly throne, that was kind of one of the questions that was popping through my mind, as also kind of what was it that they were feeling after everything that had happened? Were they saying, well, where do we go from here? If we look back, a lot of things have happened um, in the past few months. Jesus was betrayed. He was arrested, crucified, rose from the dead. 
then came back, which is raising from the dead, walked among them for 40 days, and then ascended again. So a lot has kind of happened for the disciples and for all of the followers. A roller coaster of events and emotions. And I think sometimes we can kind of forget maybe all of the things that had kind of been happening and just reading through the scripture and saying, okay, that happened. And then they went and they prayed and they chose somebody new. When I was preparing for this and looking back in scripture, kind of some of the things like that had even happened to the disciples. In Mark 14, 27 through 31, that is where Jesus tells Peter, you are going to deny me three times. So before, you know, after, you know, the last supper, he is telling him, you're going to do this to me. And Peter was like, no, I'm not. Like, what are you saying? I'm not going to do this. And then we see later that he does, you know, before the crow. Um, and he did it three times in verses 66 through 72. We also see later in John 20, 24 through 29, you know, when Jesus comes back and appears to Thomas, we always talk about doubting Thomas and how he was like, I, no, I don't believe that you are here. And he has him, you know, look at his hands and realize like, no, I am here. And so a lot is going on. I think of the emotions of things that we feel, you know, thinking of even OSU football games. We go back and forth. They're losing. They're winning. Are they going to win? You know, um, and so we can have a lot of emotions. And looking back at what had happened prior to is a lot has been going on for them. And this then takes me to my um, my first point. And so I want to read verse 10. And it says, while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so again, this is right after Jesus has ascended back up. I kind of always wonder, this is where I think logically, I was like, who was the first person after all of this was like, okay, I guess, should we go back? Like, should, I guess it's time to go now, you know? I always kind of think of like sometimes reading in scripture, like how do they go from point A to point B? Like something has happened. It's a day's journey. I'm sure lots of talking and things that kind of happened after that situation. But who's the first person who's like, all right, guys, I guess we're going to move on. And so my first point is, Prayer is to remain constant in our lives. If we notice, that's one of the first things that they did, was they went back to Jerusalem and they prayed. We look back at verse 4. Jesus had said to them, so this is prior to him leaving, do not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. He was promising them the Holy Spirit. And so again, in verse 14, um, all of these with one accord were devoting themselves in prayer. And now prayer is such a powerful tool. We see numerous times in previous scripture where Jesus showed them that it was important to pray. If we look in Luke chapter 6 verse 12, in these days he went out into the mountains to pray and all night he continued to pray to God. In Mark 6 verse 46, after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And in Matthew 14, 23, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now, I have a story to tell about a time in which like, I had to pray. And this was the story I had mentioned before where I left the entire congregation hanging because I told the story and then never told them how it ended. So you guys will get the full version. But this was 
an experience that I had gone through in which there was nothing else I could do besides pray. And so maybe eight or nine years ago, it was a while ago, a friend had wanted to go skydiving and asked if I wanted to go with her. I did not go skydiving, but I went with her to just kind of watch and see how it was going. So she goes through the process, um, getting you know, the parachute on, learning how she's supposed to go on this tandem skydive trip um, and go through all that. And I'm just hanging out in the hangar, talking with other pilots, talking with other people. And then after she had jumped, there was a pilot there who was like, hey, I fly by myself all the time. Does anybody want to go up in an airplane with me? And I said, sure, to a random stranger. Somebody I had never met, I don't even think I got his name. I go up in a plane with him. And it was an older looking plane. It was hot pink and purple. Um, it was a trick plane. So this is a plane that does flips and loops, barrel rolls, all sorts of fun stuff. And I was like, sure, this sounds like a great idea. I get a parachute, which looks very thin and not as big as the one that my friend just used to jump out of an airplane. So I'm a little hesitant because I'm like, I don't think this is gonna work. This does not seem like it's a big enough parachute. But I put a parachute on, sit in the front of the plane, um, and so it's a two-seater. So I'm sitting in the front, he's sitting behind me, and there's a big glass canopy that then closes over us. And so I notice as I sit down with my flimsy little parachute that there's a sign there that says, this is not an FAA-approved plane. That should have been my second you know, kind of red flag of like, maybe you shouldn't do this. You don't know who he is. It, you feel uncomfortable about this parachute, and it's not even an approved plane. And so I still go. He kind of explains the whole process of how we're flying. And so we, we go up. Um, and we do some barrel rolls, we do some flips. And so like, we're having a great time, we're 10,000 feet in the air. Finally, we go on our last flip into a barrel roll, which means I kind of kept thinking I should have had props and have a little airplane, but we're flying this way, going into a flip. And if you think about it, barrel roll, you flip back this way, now we're heading back this direction. Somewhere during that time period of flipping in the air, the canopy falls off. So we are upside down, thankfully strapped in. And we, I noticed that when we kind of complete that turn, I was like, oh, it's windy now. Me not being a pilot or knowing anything about airplanes, I was like, did he open a window? No, he did not open a window while he was flying a plane upside down. That did not happen. And so I start to look around and I realize there's nothing over us. And I was like, well, that's odd. Um, and at that point in time, that is when I hear the Mayday call. I know what Mayday stands for. <laughs> So I hear Mayday, Mayday, and other information about aviation that I don't know. And he calls it in and is talking to the tower. I think the logic in me that I recognize, I was like, there was a, it's not even, not even an odometer, something with altitude. I noticed we're not dropping. We didn't go from 10,000 feet to 6,000 feet. I didn't get that gut feeling of like, oh my gosh, we're falling. I'm just noting that all the instruments are shaking just a little bit more than they were before. And at that point, there's nothing I can do. And I remember having to just sit there calmly and I realized two things. I was like, I'm not gonna say anything to him because I just want him to fly a plane. I don't want him to worry about me. And I'm gonna pray because I know nothing about airplanes. I barely know anything about the parachute that I may or may not have to use that kind of popped through my mind. And I realized, and I prayed, and I prayed to God that this situation is completely in your hands because there's nothing else I can do about it. 
It is all up to you for my safety, if we land safely for the pilot. And so I prayed. And then I also just enjoyed the scenery, because what else was I going to do? Um, and so looked around. And this is where I stopped the story and I didn't tell anybody else what happened. And so what happened was we continue to fly. You know, directionally, I'm very good with directions, but I have no idea where I am in the sky. There's no road maps up there. You're just flying around. And so we finally land. And, you know, people are, there's chatter on the tower, and there's a bunch of people who then are at the hangar when we finally land, and we get out. And I'm like, I'm okay. Like, we landed. That's all I needed to happen. <laughs> he is nervous, and he's upset. And I can understand, because he was like, I just took a random stranger up into an airplane, and we had pieces of it fall off while we were flying it. And so I was more worried about him, but just kind of praying about the situation, like, God has, if we're okay, we are safe, that's all, that's all we needed to happen. That's all I wanted God to happen was that we land safely. And so we do. And that's when we get out and I look and I see like, oh, the whole top half of the plane is not on. Like, it's hanging by a couple of screws on the side, and it had punched a hole into the side of the airplane. And so that's what was kind of making it fly a little bit more rickety was because, you know, normally you need aerodynamics in an airplane and it just wasn't there. And so in that situation, all I could do was just pray to the Lord. He has control of, the, of those situations. And, you know, that's where with the disciples, like all they can do is pray. They are waiting for the Holy Spirit to come to them and they are praying for their next steps. And so they continue to be in prayer. And there is nothing too big or too small for the Lord in prayer. I have a good friend of mine who disciples me, and so we meet about once a month. And I remember a while ago, I know it sounds stupid, but I was wanting to buy a couch. And we were just talking, and you know, a couch can be a lot of money. And I was like, I don't know what I want to buy. What am I looking for? And she asked me, have you prayed about it? And I think I was like, no, why would I pray about a couch? Like, that just seems like that's not an important prayer to give to God. Like, it's just a couch, you know? And then she had asked me, she goes, well, why not? Why not pray about it? Like, it is a big amount of money to maybe purchase something. But like, what she was trying to tell me was like, God wants all of your prayers, big and small. Nothing is too big for him and nothing is too small with him. He wants you to pray to him and be in that communion with him. And so when we look back in that first section that I was talking about, 12 through 15, that's what they were doing is they were praying. If you think about it, those were some big prayers. It wasn't a small event that just happened. It was a big event that just happened. And so, and they were also, they were just the 11 of them. They knew that they needed to replace Judas. And so they were praying about it. And things that I know about in prayer in this scripture was one, they were devoting themselves in prayer. And you know, and they were praying for days. Those were the two things that I pulled out of that scripture. And so when you devote yourself in prayer, you are dedicated, you're steadfast, you're committed. They didn't just say, okay, let's just say a prayer and now go vote. Let's go just say a quick prayer and we'll go, you know, we'll divide up things and we'll move on. They prayed and they prayed together. And so now going into my second point was God has prepared us to be great witnesses to his kingdom. Now, one of the things I did was I... It says there were witnessing appears 182 times in the Bible. I did not count that. I Googled it. Um, but we were called to be witnesses. And we know that Jesus had been with him and with everybody for the last 40 days, and he was preparing them. 
He had given them instructions and he had promised them, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and they will be witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, Acts 1.8. And so now we're coming to that third section in the scripture. Um, and we remember, they have been praying, but now it's time to figure out who's going to replace Judas. And again, so I did remember, I did bring one prop, which I think one might be around the congregation. I think Caleb might have taken one of my extra ones. But it's not just a roll of the dice. They didn't just kind of roll the dice and go, okay, who's it gonna be? We notice that they gathered together and they prayed. In Acts 1.26, it states, and they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias. And so when we are looking at that, many times, you know, I kind of was researching, like, what did it mean to cast lots back then? And so a lot of times they would cast lots, and we see it in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, to where they would do that for important decisions. In Proverbs 16.33, it says, the lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. And so again, casting this lot, it wasn't just a you know, willy-nilly kind of decision. We're like, let's just see the roll of the dice. What just happens? Let's see who it is. They had prayed about it to prepare themselves. And so when we look in that scripture, this is what we know before they were casting the lots. They had a criteria for who was going to replace Judas. And they both, and everybody knew that the two men, Justice and Matthias, met that criteria. They had both accompanied the others during the time that Jesus was here on earth, from the beginning of the baptism of John until Jesus had ascended. They were both witnesses to Jesus' resurrection. They were both good choices. And as we had talked about, they didn't just immediately cast those lots, but they had prayed. Again, in verse 14, all of these with one accord were devoting themselves in prayer. And then they had casted lots. And so when they had done that, again, we had talked about how it was important that they become the 12 again. You know, the 12 represents the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus had originally chosen 12 disciples. And so it was important that they become 12 again so that they can help carry out the Great Commission and spread the gospel to be witnesses. And you know, that's with my second point is that God has been preparing us to be witnesses to that great kingdom. And so we are called to be witnesses as something God has intended us to do. And that is where we go from. Um, so when I, my first like, statement was like, where do we go from here? We, we become witnesses. We share the story of Jesus with others. And so when they were preparing and they were um, you know, calling to the 12, I had done some research and like, you don't actually hear about Matthias that much more <laughs> in scripture. It's kind of, this is where he shines, he's chosen. You know, you don't hear other stories about him later. I know a lot of um, research that I was kind of reading, they were saying, oh, somebody else should have been chosen. Like, that should have been this person um, instead of Matthias. But I think, but at the time, it was the right decision. And it's not saying that Matthias didn't do anything for the Lord. He very well did. And so when we are gathered together and we're praying, um, or gathered together and being prepared to be witnesses, you know, they as the 12 were then supposed to go out. And it wasn't just, you were the only 12 people who will be witnesses for all of the world. They were witnesses to others, who then those witnesses became witnesses to others, and so forth and so forth and so forth. You know, we see that amongst a lot of our lives to where 
I can think back of the first time that I heard about the Lord and how the Lord wanted to have a relationship with me was somebody who was witnessing to me, building a relationship, telling me how Jesus wanted to be a part of my life. And then I know I have then gone and I have done that for others. And that is following that great commission of being witnesses to his kingdom. And so in closing, you know, I want people to walk away as just knowing that these are two important things, that we are prayerful and that we are witnesses. But I also think, like, we can't just be witnesses without prayer, and we can't just be prayerful without witnessing, that they kind of go in hand in hand. And so I encourage you to take both of those um, into your heart to just be able to continue that and um, sharing the gospel with others. And so please um, let us pray. Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together to hear your word and your message and to be able to just know who you are and just share the gospel, Lord. We pray that you give us strength and courage to do that with others. And we lift this all up in your name. Amen. So today, as you go out as living witnesses, as you go out to testify God's love and action in the world, go knowing that God is with you. Share the laughter and the hope and the tears and the fears. Thanks be to God. Amen.